Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment, where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello, and welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I'm Alexa. I'm Ambrosia. Hello, everybody. Hello, and we are so excited because we are joined today by multidisciplinary creative and entrepreneur from Los Angeles, founder of Your Conduit Marketing Agency, Eric Spivak. Welcome, Eric. How's it going? What's up, Alexa and Rosa? How's it going? Doing good? It's going. So glad to have you here. (laughs) It's going. It's it's so interesting because we were just talking offline, and I'm like, so many things are coming full circle right now. I don't know about for you. Well, and I know for you, Amby, but I don't know about for you, Eric, but it just feels like, um, yeah, so many things are coming full circle. And I told Amby when she said you were coming on, I was like, I know this guy. Like I've heard his name for so many times and I feel like I've been connected with him. And we were just talking how um, you were very present in the music scene, which was like my former lifetime. So it's really great to get to connect with you and actually like have a conversation with you because I feel like I've heard so much about you and I, I we have so many um, connections probably, but um, you're always up to something interesting, which is why I feel like your marketing agency is is called what it is. And um, so yeah, welcome. I'm really excited to dive in with you and love if you could just introduce yourself to our audience and you know let them know a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talking about myself always seems difficult <laughs> uh, because it just accumulates. Um, so yeah, I uh, born in Chicago, Illinois, raised in Tampa, Florida, lived in Long Island, New York, uh, early 20s, then moved to Austin, Texas to build out a hip hop startup. Uh, reached the low glass ceiling for hip hop in Austin, ended up moving to Los Angeles, uh, started out on the West side in Mar Vista, Venice area, then moved to Culver city palms, then to Koreatown, then to Silver Lake. And now I'm in downtown in the arts district. And, uh, over the past, uh, 10 years, give or take, I'll say that anything before that doesn't exist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Over the last 10 years, I've been at the intersection of art, music, fashion, and tech. Um, I've had three different uh, startup businesses that have kind of shown me the ropes of that road, ranging from fundraising to talent acquisition to team building to delegation to marketing, branding, promotions. And then uh, outside of that, I've been a DJ, a rapper, editor-in-chief, so I've also learned the inner workings of the music space 
from the hip hop end and the electronic music end. And now I manage three artists. I have uh, two nonprofits and I have my creative agency and marketing firm, your conduit. So I think that's kind of a, a decent fast track to now <laughs> with some sprinkles of stuff here and there. Love it. Ambie, were you going to say something? <laughs> What's going on? I can right now. <laughs> Are you okay? Ambie's choking. I was choking. I'm okay. <laughs> as long as we're not live. Yeah, it's fine. We're not live. <laughs> no, I was going to be a jerk and be like, so it sounds like you're pretty bored. And then that didn't happen. Anyway, I can't tell jokes, obviously. Um, and that's all fascinating that you can handle, like, um, that you could give yourself so many different tasks and you can spread yourself out like that and not feel, you know, overwhelmed. I don't want to tell you how you're feeling, but, um, can you tell everybody the story that you told me? Would you be comfortable with that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm an open book. Anyone can ask me anything at any time and. Sometimes they get the oversharing me and sometimes they get the undersharing, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm open questions lead to answers and doors being opened. So could you tell us your story about your, your accident, your near death experience and, and that, because I found that really fascinating. And I think that like really exemplifies uh, what you stand for and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess I've, I think it, it, so I was in a near fatal car accident in 2016 that taught me a lot about self-awareness and self-care that gets neglected when we're in this fast paced, go, go, go environment of, uh, I guess, hustle-nomics or whatever you want to call it. Like <laughs> um, we are in this world that's very hurry up and wait, kind of like if I pass you in traffic, we still might end up at the same stoplight, regardless of how fast or slow you're going or I am. But I think that we tend to ignore uh, what our minds and bodies tell us, and the body will say what the mind doesn't. And so in, uh, in 2016, I was doing all that I do from uh, producing events, uh, staffing, sourcing, managing talent, DJing, doing art and web design, graphic design, all sorts of different things. And, and just kind of like holding down the fort very, uh, any given day of the week, you could find me at three or four different events and, uh, see that or uh, perceive me as always being on quote, mm. quote unquote. Right. And, uh, I don't know where that like hustle mentality or nonstop thing came from, but I've just always had a knack for always being on the go and on the move. So, I, uh, I went to a funeral in Arizona and I came back. I slept for a few hours. I wasn't thinking about before going to that funeral, uh, that I had done like three events back to back to back. And, uh, I had also done a lot of other jobs in between those events and after those events. So when I got back from Arizona, I slept for a few hours and I had the opportunity to bring my friends to, um, a place called low end theory which was every Wednesday for, I think, 11 years in L.A. It was one of the premier electronic music showcases in the world. Um, and church, to some people, happening every Wednesday. And so, yeah, I uh, 
I brought three friends with me. I brought my roommate. I brought um, two other good friends. And typically people wait in line to get to this event. Uh, I would say upward to three hours just to be inside for like 30 minutes to an hour. And uh, so my connection and relationship with the party was that I didn't really have to wait in line or pay a cover. And, you know, they were family or friends, so to speak. So, you know, they were all excited. My friends were all excited to, to go and especially for the first time and with me. So I brought them, we had a good time. We hung out for a few hours. I dropped them all off. And about 10 minutes um, from my place, I slammed into an electric pole the size of a tree trunk, uh, oak tree trunk and um, woke up. I was in shock steering wheel uh, wrapped in the airbag. Uh, my nose broken and my rib cage is fractured and me uh, stuck between the driver's seat and the steering wheel. Um, I had to call an ambulance and uh, jaws of life me out of it and um, rushed me over to Cedar sinai which is one of the best hospitals in the nation and also nowhere close to where an accident happened. So I don't know why that decision was made, but I'm grateful that it was. Uh, I was unconscious for nine days at Cedar sinai woke up and was told that I underwent uh, leg surgery, hip surgery, heart surgery, and uh, my right leg was uh, paralyzed. I might have muscle atrophy. I lost 90 pounds, and I've been unconscious for the past week or so. Um, so, yeah, that led to a rude awakening of instead of being able to do everything and go anywhere and, and be myself, I was confined to four corners, much like COVID has pushed people into, and I wasn't able to function. Um, pretty much, uh, I was on bed rest for almost a year and, uh, had to go through a full rehabilitation and recovery process with, uh, outpatient nurses and being driven around everywhere. I went from, uh, wheelchair to walker to crutches and, uh, I was on almost 20 pills per day, gained a opiate addiction and yeah, it was just as, uh, interesting process to get to back to where I am now, which now I live with invisible pain because you wouldn't know any of this went on. If you met me over the past two years, um, unless you saw that process. And I, I documented that whole process through Snapchat as well. So it's like, not only did I have these quote unquote cheerleaders of friends and family and everybody watching me through that lens, but also on the flip side, I had, um, you know, a level of accountability attached to that where like, if I'm not showing my recovery and me going to physical therapy or my chiropractor or acupuncturist or physical therapist, et cetera, then they're going to be on my ass. Like my friends and people are like, yo, did you go today to your appointment? Do you need a ride? Do you need an Uber? Like what, what is going on? And it gave me a, a newfound interest in really paying more attention to the disabled and elderly communities too, which uh, I feel realistically don't get enough, uh, attention for, uh, things like this, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of, uh, the fast track version of it. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was all of 2016 and 17 and, um, uh, 2018 till now have been, uh, good to, to a good extent amazing thank you for sharing that story and what have you 
what was the biggest takeaway you had from that experience? Because I really think that with each experience, we really like learn something or gain something. I don't know if you subscribe to that belief, but I do think that everything happens for a reason, even really tragic things. Um, what did you take away from that? Um, so how I started stating that, um, you know, your, your body will say what your mind doesn't. Um, I think one big thing was the fact that I became hyper aware, right? So when your stomach, when you're hungry, your stomach will growl. When you're tired, your eyes will droop, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it just made me very alert to different signals within my body that I would typically ignore. And I think that that's something that everybody needs to do from time to time. Remember to like take full breaths and to get fresh air and water and sunlight. Your body needs it much like a plant in order to grow. Um, and then it also uh, it taught me a lot about how people perceive quote unquote weakness, so to speak because where I'd be lifting boxes normally or moving big sound equipment around or, uh, you know, doing laborious, intense work sometimes, uh, if you're not partaking in that for a group, then you're suddenly deemed a weak link or not as strong or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they don't know that I've had a hip replacement surgery and I have six stents in my heart and the list goes on and on and on. Um, unless I like provide proof that, you know, I've gone through this physical trauma and had to recover to where I am. So, yeah, I think, uh, there's a lot of lessons in self-awareness. There's a lot of introspective, there's a lot of perspective as well. Um, and the opportunity to share and help others through stories, you know? Mm. Did you experience anything when you were when you were like in that nine day process, or where where was your consciousness? Uh, I mean, pretty much gone. You know, I, I saw uh, between. I haven't. I honestly, I haven't even looked at the recovery videos or anything i've got x-rays i've got uh incomplete death certificate i've got like proof of like all of these things but a lot of it was kind of a blur because i was on so many painkillers and, and other drugs during that time frame and what really helped me was edibles i was able to taper off with edibles and my cousins owned a company called dr norms and luckily enough uh i was able to get a huge amazon bag of cookies dropped off to me from my cousin jeff and uh, that really, really, really dramatically helped me and gave me clear vision uh, where I wasn't like constantly floating because of the side effects or effects of some of these things that numb the pain. So, yeah. Um, another thing too is like when you are, uh, when you're left to your own vices, you can very easily become a product of your environment or your own worst enemy. And I think that because of social media and because of my network and the fact that I had built and established a really great community prior to this situation happening, uh, I've just had a lot of people that had high expectations of me getting better as fast as possible because I had quote unquote work to do and unfinished work to do and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. So, you know, if 
I, I could feel I could say that's for somebody that might be more introverted or have some social anxiety or issues with like just social environments and building networks and, and having good relationships with friends and family, like going through what I did could be extremely debilitating and take a whole lot longer to recover from. Uh, wow. My my network and my friends were definitely responsible for dramatically expediting the, the recovery process. Yeah, because that's not that long ago. I mean, that's a really, um, thank you for sharing that. And it's amazing to see where you are today compared to, you know, the time that's elapsed. So I, I like yeah. that you spoke on that, though, about like the expectations of other people, because I think one of the things we talk about on this podcast, because we go super woo woo at times, but really talk about, actually, I don't even know if we have dived into this, but like the power of prayer, right? Like why does something like prayer work, right? Or, or has it worked in the past or, you know, why, how do the expectations of others, uh, influence us? And I, and I also think what you're talking about as well is purpose, you know, it's like having that purpose. And like you said, that unfinished, um, business or things that you were expected to do, it really pulls you forward. Um, and so what's, I don't know, what's your perspective on that on purpose? Yeah. I mean, I think that everybody has a, a purpose and it takes time and different levels of adversity and obstruction to kind of wake us up to what we consider that to be. And I think when you find it, um, it it's not really something you're looking for. It typically finds you. Um, whether that is something that you're extremely passionate about or not is a different story. But I think that, um, everybody gets to a point in their lives where they kind of figure out like what their position is and, and how to play it to the best of their ability for a level of inherent value, uh, being provided to their lives and the lives of others or other things that they touch. So I think that's kind of where I go back to saying how, like, uh, elderly and disabled uh, kind of played a role into my wheelhouse at that point because um, I was going to doctor's appointments and physician appointments and finding myself with broken elevators where like their office is on the 42nd floor and I'm at this elevator like fuck now not only are they going to think that I'm late or I'm fucking around or that I don't care but this is going to shorten my time for PT and it's going to be a pain in the ass for me to get back down as well. And then same thing with seeing like uh, people with fake handicap placards for convenience, uh, thus creating inconvenience to someone like me at the time who was on crutches and it's a pain in the ass to walk from the edge of the parking lot or somewhere else. So um, previously my wheelhouse of interest of philanthropy had revolved around uh, youth, women, animals, and elderly. But then all of this just provided an opportunity for me to spotlight and pay more attention to the disabled side because um, even when I say invisible pain or chronic pain, like uh, I have to sleep on one side to be to offset the uh, the metal and whatnot that's in my hip. And in 20 years, I'm going to have to get another hip replacement surgery. Right. And then 20 years after that, I have to go through another one. Now, ideally, medical advancements in technology will continue to 
make that a less uh, less and less painful or um, difficult experience. But for the time being, I'm just going to have to deal with that. And just the same thing with what I was saying in terms of self-awareness. It's like you have to become just a little bit or maybe a lot bit more mindful in terms of what you do and how you do it. Um, even like a speed bump or being on a boat going over a wave or an argument pushing me through a medical threshold of a fight or flight um, response could do something harmful to the stents of my heart or my respiratory system and more. So it's just like, you know, kind of eye opening in that sense. And I think that that's provided a lot of value in how I can provide value to others with explaining like, yo, just, you know, I chill. I've seen you, you've, you've had two hours of sleep every day. Like I had a, I had a friend of mine the other day, she had a similar situation where she was coming to meet me in the morning and she fell asleep at the wheel and she uh, like drove over the curb and, you know, woke up, called me, the hospital called me and said uh, that she's okay and whatever, but she was on the way to you. And we don't know if you have the rest of her contacts or whatever, but you were the last person she called. So we called that number through the emergency and that was that. So yeah, got to, got to be mindful and aware of, of self and that. Mm. Mm. Is your friend okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's good now. Good. That's, that's really fascinating. Like, and are you are you a, like a spiritual person or what's your perspective on all this? Do you feel like it's like a, kind of divinely orchestrated? Do you to to more like you said it focused you more on what that purpose was, or do you have a different perspective of it? Yeah, I mean, I've never really been confined to uh, like Judaism or Christianity, even though uh, my mom's Jewish, and so Spivak. Grew up on that side, and uh, on my dad's side, you have uh, the Christian end, and so I've been kind of just open to everything, and and more uh, just not labeling and tagging anything. And I think on a naturopathic healing end and a spirituality side, I think it's just again um, restoring this idea of how important it is to have some form of faith or hope. And I think that's something that doesn't need to be attached to religion for people to have. And I think that uh, the pandemic's provided the opportunity for that conversation to be more uh, powerful and impactful than ever. I think it's primarily because of the fact that, um, you know, it, it it's something that people really, really lacked uh, with the last presidency. And I think now they're getting a little bit more a uh, feeling of prosperity and hope and light at the end of the tunnel as COVID starts to dissipate and the financial marketplaces start to shift in a positive swing again and jobs are starting to employ again and we're figuring out solutions to problems that have existed for a long time with new technology and new things that are being created and uh, alternative solutions are, are popping up all around us for things that we never thought about uh, like remote learning or correspondence so you have platforms like clubhouse and you have video conferencing and all of this stuff even ar vr xr like that was something that that kind of that area of technology wasn't really uh, viewed as more than novelty 
to the majority of people, I think. And now it's, it's like, oh, it's go time. Like if you have a company in this space, like here, take this money and do what you need to do because we see the potential in this now. We understand how valuable it could be to put an Oculus set on a bunch of RNs that are looking to advance their careers or, um, you know, doctors that are in school and, and want to know how to perform these procedures in a way that's cost effective and doesn't require them to be in the tool with the, or in the room with the tools in their hand, et cetera. So I think there's just like a whole new world of opportunity with educational sectors and conversation in general, like, uh, worldwide. So, yeah, I know that kind of went on a tangent from the question, but no, no, I actually like where you went with it because it kind of leads into another question, which is, you know, given the whole story you just shared and what you were saying about like having to be really mindful about even getting into any sort of arguments because of your heart, it's like you shared in the beginning, you do so many things. There's so many things you do and it's awesome and inspiring, but how do you how does because obviously you want to make an impact and obviously you're a very creative person you know that that like emanates off you so it's like how do you maximize your what do I say like your energy and your presence um, to make that impact without stressing yourself out because there's a lot of people in our community who who want to make a big impact but they often go over their limits and, you know, drain themselves or make themselves sick or so. So I feel like you're in this position where you're if you're doing all these things and you're in that confinement in a way with, with the body, right, you're really having to to master this. So what is, what is your perspective of that or what is your insight on that or advice for someone who's wanting to make an impact like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's just this level of like you have to become vulnerable and accessible and transparent with yourself and you know that level of authenticity will allow you to get back to your grind get back to your hustle get back to the things that move you and make you and shape you into being the person you are so um there is that cutoff point that you can't sit around and feel sorry for yourselves anymore and i think that it's important to uh, stop leaning on or using crutches of the adversity or obstruction that you had to overcome. Like, you know, I, I just told you all that tidbit of the story based off of the questions, but in general, it's like, um, it's very easy to lean on stuff like that because that is, a it's, it's, it's passing on empathy, right? It, it's, uh, almost dare I say manipulative for people, and you see people that tell those stories over and over and over. But I think if you focus on where you were going and the speed that you were going there before facing whatever it was, whether you're you're homeless, whether you're unemployed, whether you've had a divorce, whether what kids, whatever it is, um, I think that like when when you get back to it and you just put your blinders on, then then you start to gain this kind of unstoppable mentality. And I think that's what uh, that's what uh, a lot of I'd say athletes and actors really highlight and spotlight over the years too. If you dig deeper into their stories, like um, Kobe Bryant or Nipsey Hussle or Jim Carrey or Oprah, even um, you know Michael Jordan. AOC, Jordan, 
yeah, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So I think those are inspirational, inspirational individuals that showcase like just laser focus, that 2020 vision where, you know what, I went through it. I came, I overcame it. I broke through it. And now we're here and I'm not really looking to go back to that chapter. Even Kim and, and Kanye going through their divorce right now, that fucked up a lot of opportunities in a lot of ways for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and they're keeping that as hush hush as possible because they don't need it to scuff up and muddy the water and, and tarnish their image anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think there is a point where it's just like, okay, stop bringing that baggage into the new job. Stop bringing your home to work and your work home and just start at zero or just keep going up, get it, get it to, to 10 and keep going to 20 to 30. Just keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Thank you. I guess foresight, right? Foresight. <laughs> foresight and change of perspective. Well, and 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 just to take it a step further, like, but logistically, it's like, are you, have you always been kind of a natural, because I imagine you have a, people help, you have all these different endeavors, right? So you have a, a, people that are you're working with or that are working for you. So it's like, have you always been a natural um, like leader and kind of manager? Does that come naturally to you? Is that something that you you had to learn as you like gain these visions and ideas that you wanted to bring to life? Like, yeah, I mean, I think more or less, I just I realized early on um, the value of having a strong network, and I. Uh, I'd say like 16, 17 years old uh, at the start of the internet, I was playing an online game called EverQuest, which was created by Sony Online Entertainment. And in that game, I had a network that I built of over 200 people. And those people would log on from all over the world at a certain time, uh, Eastern. I lived in uh, Tampa Bay at that time. And uh, I was skipping school even to make sure that I was on this game at this time with the troops that I've rallied to follow a process of strategy to create results. And so that taught me uh, just it increased my typing speed to 120 words per minute. It taught me delegation. It taught me management. It taught me team building. It taught me how to build morale when somebody's online and, and disruptive with a negative experience that they decided to bring into work with them or online. And, um, you know, after that, uh, when I moved to New York, it was kind of a a similar situation where I'm starting at zero, but I'm starting to see that the more people I'm rallying, the more people that I'm pulling, uh, into my corner, the more co-signs that I'm getting in the music space and the art space and the fashion space and broadcasting world the more doors of opportunity are opening up with that. And so, you know, I've just kind of carried this uh, network is your net worth uh, mindset for a long time. And I've seen how that translates and converts into some really amazing opportunities in life. And um, with that, you have to, you have to cultivate and you have to curate. And uh, so I've been cultivating and nourishing my, my communities for a long time and now it's giving back. So I think all of that goes into the managerial side of things or the boss slash leadership side of things. And that's why I like directing and I like executive producing and I like being the tree trunk as opposed to the branch. Mm-hmm. You can, um, you can provide more, uh, more opportunities for people in that way. 
love that. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, I really love that too. Um, what are your, what would you tell someone? I don't know why this question is coming up, but I'm asking it. What would you tell someone that maybe is really concerned about, um, what people think or their image on social media or things of that nature? Um, because I'm sure you work with people or you have in some capacity. Um, and so you seem like such a pun intended, motivated person and motivating person, what would you say to, or what do you say to people in that space? Um, you're saying in general, dealing with, sorry. Like the perceptions I, of other point. people, the, the worry that people have of what other people think of them. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, everybody's going to have their opinion, right? Um, and it's up to you to decide if you want to fit into the mold or tag or label or box that they put you in with their opinion or not. But your opinion of yourself is what should be uh, valued at a higher rate. And so what do you think about yourself? Do you, do you think negatively of yourself? Do you feel that there's a lot of inadequacies? Is there self-doubt? Or do you think higher of yourself and think better of yourself or uh, challenge yourself to do better than wherever you're currently at? And I think that having those internal questions on a, on a pretty decent, regular basis, uh, those, those check-ins um, provide the availability and accessibility to become the best you that you can. So I think that, you know, unless they're paying you or they're in a relationship with you, like those opinions shouldn't really weigh on you too much or, or play much of a uh, decision-making role in your life, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's where people get very easily flustered and frustrated because they're trying to live up to other people's standards or expectations, which, again, if, if that's not directly affecting or impacting your income or your happiness and let it go you know let it go and, and redefine what you should be doing or should be spending your time on or where you should be going and why finding your why mm. beautifully said love that um well eric what are you working on now you know after 2020 and we're in this really activating year of 2021. What is what is coming through the conduit? Yeah. Um, well, I've definitely like I, I've been getting a lot of really interesting opportunities because of the fact that everybody is pivoting. Right. We've noticed that COVID has showcased and highlighted the fact that there's no safety net. Or sorry, there's no safety net. And um, there's no blanket that's, that's going to comfort people and uh, these industries that are bleeding out, like the food and beverage industry or hospitality and nightlife and entertainment. Um, you know, musicians can cry a river for decades, but, you know, that's not how they make their money. And so <laughs> there's just so many people that have had to figure it out, right? And I'm getting a lot of those people that have figured it out or think that they figured it out, reaching out to me and, and asking uh, for consulting and for one-on-one -on -one, um, branding and strategy sessions. Um, I've pretty, I would say I've mastered the art of branding and, and how to effectively communicate feelings and messages through unique visuals without the use of words. 
and that probably comes from a background of design and events and knowing how to move people so um right now i'm advising for a nft art uh marketplace i am working with a uh cryptocurrency streaming platform that is along the lines of spotify or soundcloud or apple music I'm managing and developing three artists that I'm really happy with their current performance and trajectory. Um, working on getting myself out there more and really taking more interviews and saying yes more often, which previously I used to say no more often. And so um, I'm accepting of uh, some new things that are coming my way and opportunities to bridge networks and cross pollinate a little bit more. Um, yeah, overall, just working on my my personal happiness and and health and prosperity and abundance and all things good. I, I think that uh, the the women's project, as soon as we can do live events again, again, I'm gonna get back to building that out further. Uh, I have one of the longest running independent music showcases in LA called Bananas. I know my team is just ready and happily waiting for us to uh, to get moving with that again. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm taking new opportunities and, and really like reworking the old ones and and creating something really amazing all the way around. So making a virtual museum, like a huge virtual museum. That's dope. How does that work? On VR? Yeah. Um, yeah, through Unreal Engine, uh, if you could imagine a unlimited square foot museum that could take any shape color texture or size that you could imagine and put it all under one roof and if that roof allowed you to have buildings the size of the eiffel tower or arc de triomphe or uh washington square park or central park or the mocha or the lacma or whatever guggenheim like whatever you want to put into it you can and uh that's tied to a nonprofit that we launched a couple months back and so people are donating art to the nonprofit, which is being placed into the museum which is then becoming a huge time capsule and we will see when that ribbon cutting process is but uh it's an exciting project because there's so many different mediums and, and moving parts from uh, album artwork of records and cassettes and cds to um, you know, athletic artwork to trading cards to it's like, it's, it's all around us. So it's a really, really like huge undertaking, but I like things that look like uphill battles. I'm, I'm definitely the person just like anything you can do, I can do as well. I'm not going to say better, but I like challenges. So this is a, this is a good challenge that hits all the points of like what I need to say yes to being involved. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Let us know when that launches. That sounds super dope. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be dope. And uh, where can people find you if, you know, they want to network with you or cross-pollinate their networks? How can people connect with you? Yeah. Um, for the time being, social media is probably the easiest way to reach out. But uh, my website, eric-spivak.com, E-R-I-C-S-P-I-V-A-K.com has uh, outreach buttons and contact forms and all that. And it also has more of a press kit and overview that goes into the different intricate areas of me. 
and uh, allows you to have access if there's reason. And then uh, also there's yourconduit.com. My agency is also another great way to reach out to me and see all the different projects that I've worked on and that I am working on. And yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Anything that comes my way that makes sense and adds up, I'm I'm here for it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. And I look forward to hearing other people's thoughts on this and hopefully they're not bored to death, you know? I don't think they're going to be. I think you're a very fascinating person. Um, And uh, yeah, for those of you who are listening and resonating with Eric, definitely reach out to him. And um, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for uh, being a part of our community. Eric, it was a pleasure. We'll have to have you back sometime. And until next time, everybody, keep on blooming. Bye. Absolutely. Thanks, Ambrosia. Thanks, Alexa. I appreciate y'all. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within. 